0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, Wellpreneurs. You know, I've interviewed, gosh, over like 150 different people in the wellness industry. And from time to time, I have an interview that is just so much fun and eye-opening and so different than usual. And this week is one of them. I think you're just going to love it. I totally adored talking to Margaret. My guest this week is Margaret Schlachter, who is the first female professional obstacle racer. So I didn't even know this was a thing. It's kind of like obstacle racing, it turns out, is something kind of like the Tough Mudder races, right? And she was the first female professional obstacle racer. And now she has a media career in that industry. But what's so cool is that she's actually been blogging since 2011. So our conversation, we're not just talking about her career in obstacle racing and how she's adapted that over time as the needs of her body have changed, but also she's got deep experience in the online world. She runs a company called Dirt in Your Skirt, which is an awesome name. And she's been around, like I said, since 2011 doing that. So she's got a really good perspective on how the online industry has changed and um, what's really working for her today. So this episode's really cool. Whether or not you've ever thought anything about obstacle racing, I think you're really going to enjoy it. I didn't know anything about it, and I just found it fascinating. In case you've missed it with the last couple of episodes, my husband and I are on an epic journey. We're traveling from Hong Kong to London by train. It's going to take us 10 weeks, and the week that this episode is airing, we're still in China. This week, we're exploring some of the really ancient cities in China. I don't want to give too much away, but we're going to share all about it on our blog and on our Instagram account. So if you'd like to follow along with our overland adventure, then you can follow us on Instagram at andourotheradventures, or our website is andourotheradventures.com. Now my tool recommendation for you this week is something that I've never talked about before. It's a new one. And I want to talk about backing up your personal computer. Yeah, really unsexy topic, right? But it is super important. I mean, your your desktop or your laptop, that machine that you work on all the time. Are you backing that up? Are your photos backed up? Is your work data backed up? For a lot of people, they just kind of cross their fingers and hope that nothing happens. But like you might have a problem where your hard drive crashes or, you know, your computer gets stolen or for something else happens to it and you'll lose all of that data if it's not backed up. So I used to do this really manually and try to back it up myself to an external hard drive. But honestly, that's a headache. So what I do now that I've used for a couple of years and I totally recommend is a service called Backblaze. So Backblaze works on Macs or PCs, and you basically just install it on your computer and it automatically backs up to the cloud. So it's just constantly doing a backup on your computer so you know everything's backed up all the time. You don't even have to think about it anymore. And it only costs $5 a month. So let me tell you, $5 a month is so worth it when you think of the headache you'd need to go through if you lost all of your data. So I have it back up my computer, but also my external hard drive. So I keep some work data on an external hard drive, and that backs up through Backblaze as well through that single plan. So if you are not backing up your computer, that's your homework for this week. Last week, we talked about backing up your website. This week, we're talking about backing up your computer. And, you know, there's ways you can do it manually, but really, I've found that just having a service that backs it up all the time without me having to think about it is well worth that $5 a month. So if you want to try Backblaze and you want to sign up through my link, then I get one month free. Woohoo. So if just 12 of you thousands of podcast listeners want to sign up for Backblaze, then I'm going to get a whole year free, which would be really awesome. And I totally appreciate your support of the Wellpruner podcast. But whether or not you use it, definitely make sure your computers are backed up. So if you'd like to try Backblaze, you can try that at wellpruneronline.com backup. Again, that's wellpruneronline.com backup. And I definitely hope that you will take a quick think about your own backup strategy just to save yourself any future pain. It's really worth it. And I'm happy to talk about this more in our Facebook group, which is the Wellprinter Community Group on Facebook. Okay. Are you ready to learn all about obstacle racing? I totally am. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and get ready to learn some insights into what's really working for an online business today. Hi, Margaret. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Amanda, for having me. This is great. So it's kind of crazy because for me, it's like literally just turned 7am and I'm waking up and for you, it's five in the afternoon. So we're like on totally different vibes right now, but that's okay. We'll meet in the middle.
1: Yeah. Your sun is just come up or just coming up and mine is getting ready to go down in another hour or two, two hours here. Okay, so
0: I've got yeah. my little cup of tea here and I was jumping around <laughs> earlier, so I'm on it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And you've got tons of energy. So
1: tell us for everybody that doesn't know you, what do you do? I work mostly now in the media space within the obstacle course racing industry and if you have never heard of that it is depending on where in the world you live it's either like those ninja warrior shows sort of it's like that tough mudder thing that that crazy office worker has done it's that Spartan race thing that again that that crazy cousin or whatever has done it is encompasses all of that stuff as well as those mud runs it looks kind of like military going over obstacles and and stuff like that. So um, currently, I'm in the media space, mostly within the industry as a journalist and podcaster and um, then run media for a couple of different entities, but came in as an athlete, weekend warrior, became a professional athlete, started writing, got injured, the writing took over, and then the media side just kind of kept growing. So that's the really short answer. (laughs) Well,
0: I totally want to get into it. And we were like so interested to have you on the show because this is like it's totally in like fitness and health and all that. But such a niche area that you're in, like probably most people listening. I mean, I hadn't even thought about obstacle racing. I guess I'd heard of Tough Mudders because like you said, I knew people at work that did them. But who knew that this was a whole industry?
1: Yeah, it's amazing because it's actually been the, the fastest growing participatory activity, I guess you'd say, or sport, you know, it used to be like the 5Ks and triathlon was huge for a while. It's still a big, these are all still big things like, but now kind of doing an obstacle race has become what maybe doing that local 5K was 10 years ago, it seems like. So take us back. What were you doing before you started doing obstacle racing? So I found obstacle racing back in the winter 2009, which is really when it got started here in North America. But I was head of admissions and college placement for a private boarding school in Vermont that was for alpine ski racers, snowboard competitors, and other snow sports. So I was still in the kind of wellness, how like, you know, I was coaching as well. And I coached for 10 years. and I coached lacrosse to high school and college lacrosse. So I've always been in sort of sports, I would say, in a way. But um, you know found actually through Facebook, a friend had liked this thing called Spartan Race and uh, ended up signing up for it on a whim, like kind of was at a point in my life where I needed something to kind of I was training people and I was coaching people, but I wasn't really doing much for myself and decided, oh, well, this will be a good, good something, like a something to do. Did my first event and crossed the finish line. And I was like, this is so different. It was filling that need that I think like health and wellness fits for a lot of people, but it was just filling that like really visceral need to do something totally different. Then from there, it like it just kept steamrolling and changing. And it's, 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 it kind of shocks me now that that was 2010. I did the first event and now just finishing up my eighth season in this industry. (laughs) Amazing. And you became, I mean, you were a pro, right? You were the first professional obstacle race. Track. Yeah. Yeah. So first, as mm-hmm. far as, yeah, as far as we know, I mean, like if there was somebody else that not really, sh- you know, it's kind of hard to track things in the very beginning, but as far as we know, and, I've, you know, talk to a lot of people about this is that, so in 2010 and 2011, I was just doing this stuff on the side on the weekend. And 2011, I got more into it and I qualified for this 24 hour world's toughest mudder. It's called actually that Tough Mudder puts on. So it's a 24 hour obstacle race. And I was never an endurance athlete. I was an alpine ski racer and a lacrosse goalie because i didn 't want to run that 's why I became a goalie so <laughs> so like you know so all of a sudden it's like i 'm finding myself doing these these running events, which is pretty much what this industry is it, it, foundation is it 's a running event with stuff. Added into it. That's a really easy, not scientific way to talk about it. But yeah, so I qualified for that, and having a background in coaching and being an athlete my whole life, I I knew you need something. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have any of that stuff anymore. So I created a website, well, a blog at the time called, and I called it Dirt in Your Skirt. And I called it that because it was something that my lacrosse coach in college had said. She'd just be like, "Just go get some dirt in your skirt. Like, just go out there and like, just go after it. Like, really, really take it on and." So I was like, all right, so I'll, I'll just make this thing and I'll just document my journey. And it just turned out that that was one of the first websites out there that started creating a resource in the industry. You know, there was a, there was like a, a probably maybe three or four other ones I knew of in North America at the time, if that. And I just did it on my own, just did my own little thing. And it started out like I'd go run two miles, I'd write about it. And then I'd get a new pair of shoes and I'd write about it. I'd go to a race and I'd write about it. And it was just just there, there was just a need that I was filling without even really knowing it. And in 2011 as well, I was competing seriously as I was training for this 24 hour event and started to find myself on podiums and which was really exciting. Like I say, it's sort of nonchalantly now, but it was super exciting at the time to be like, you know, if anybody who's been an athlete or has been a competitor, like, you know, I, I, I was never the top, top dog when I was competing all through high school and college. So to all of a sudden find yourself at the like kind of on the podium all the time, it's 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 a cool feeling. I think because I have a degree in business as my undergraduate is in strategic management and entrepreneurship. I just saw this blog as something as more than just a hobby. I guess I guess I always jump into things like I dive straight into the deep end kind of without realizing how deep the pool is, I feel like sometimes. So I just saw it kind of as a thing and I started to take it seriously and I was doing well competitively. And then some companies came along and were like, we want to sponsor you. And it started out with just a few products here and there. And then a nutrition company came in in early 2012 and said, we want to sponsor, we want to bring you onto our team, like full on team. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, we're going to pay you to be on our team as an athlete, and you're going to get a monthly paycheck from us just to be an athlete and I was like which is like the, I call it the golden egg of sponsorships mm-hmm. now like it it was they were looking for a female they were looking to diversify into the industry, and I happened to be one of the top females at the time so that and as the and the website was kind of picking up steam as well and so in two thousand and twelve, I got to a point where the best analogy and I know i've given it a lot of times now is it's like that talking head song where the, the lines of it, it's like, what is this house? This is this beautiful life, wife? Like, like what is this what is this life that I've made? And I kind of, and I, I reached that point, like I was in my job and I had a great job. I mean, I was not even third, what, 27 or 28 years old. I can't even remember anymore. Anyways, I was in my late 20s and I was head of admissions and college placement for a private school, which is a great job and i was almost done with my masters in education leadership and basically just said i'm out <laughs> like, I, I went to the 4th of july with my family and i was just like i'm going to quit my job when i go back to work and they're like are you sure that's a good thing and i'm like well i, I think this upscoring thing i think there's something to it and i was like i don't know what yet and the sponsor like i they pay me enough that i can pay the rent i can eat food and i can Support myself, bare minimal support myself, but I can support myself and then have some other bonuses and stuff come in here and there. So my parents were like, they're super supportive. They're like, well, you've got a great education. You can always go back to education if you want and go back to, you know, working this. And so, so kind of just jumped off that, the education banner and jumped in this obstacle racing world head on. And at the time, no one else was doing it. I mean, there was like no one that I could really, it's ironic because now my brother-in-law, but would be the closest other person probably in the industry doing that. But he was married, you know. He's married. He's got his wife, and there is a little bit more of a support net. In that time, I was single, living alone, and <laughs> you know, it's just like I'm out. I just but uh, but knew like deep down, I was like, I I need to change. This opportunity is here, and let's just take it. And I'm sure other guests you've had on reach that same moment where it's mm-hmm. like. You can either stay on the same track track that's like super safe and pretty comfortable or you can and not feel like a, a whole like your body is like everything's there and you're a whole person or you can take this crazy leap, which now years later, like five years later, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I had the balls like, you know, or lack of a better thing. I don't have balls. i a female. But but to have mm-hmm. just that that like just be like, OK. I'm going to do
0: it. How did and, you know? I love that moment. And you're right. We talk about that a lot. That moment where you're just like, I have to change, even though maybe all your friends and family think that's crazy. What, Like you said, you're giving up this great job and this, you know, dream situation so many people would want to be
1: in. How did you know it was really time to do it? So I think the biggest thing is that I found and I didn't notice, I didn't know how bad this was until after, until I left the The industry. I loved coaching the kids I coached. I love ski racing. I devoted a a large section of my life to that industry. But what I found is when I was working, I was working 16 to 18 hour days. And sometimes in the winter, I'd go 21 days without a day off, which I don't care what anybody says. You can love your job to death, but you need days off and you need time off. And what I found was happening is I would have these mental breakdowns, basically, like mini, mini breakdowns throughout the winter and they were starting to come more and more where I just feel overwhelmed and I've physically become ill because I couldn't deal with the stress and 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 whatnot so I think those were like the triggers that kind of pushed me and then I just got to the point where I don't know it was just it it was such a gut feeling of like I need to make this change and here's this opportunity to make this change and jump onto the lifeboat and hope that it doesn't (laughs) sink I mean it was like. And, you know, I still like I look back on it and what what did I It just came to a head. It's like I was working all day at the school and then I would come home and I'd be working on the website and I'd be training and I'd be doing that. And I remember a coworker say that you she's like, you literally feel like you're it feels like you're running away from here every time you go for a workout, which is. I was actually physically running away from the building too, because I lived at the building for um, as a dorm parent as well at the school. So I was, yes, I was physically running away from it. But also, I guess there were signs and I think I didn't notice them as much as other people noticed them around me. So, so I don't know, it was really just a gut thing. And I had some friends as well, I should say that had or acquaintances or, or, you know, kind of in my exterior sort of network that A bunch of women around 2012 are making big changes around me. And I happen to be, I think I just caught up in their making big changes as well. Like a friend quit her job as an editor at at active.com and became a digital nomad. And she still is today and has written three books. So, you know, I I think it was just like, it it was helpful to have them to be like, I think I'm going to quit my job. And they're like, yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah go for it <laughs> but I think it was just a gut thing and I, and I knew after the fact like the craziest part about this whole story I still think is so I send an email to the head of the school basically like the end of whenever that fourth of July was I don't remember what day we went back to to work but the day before we go back to work they said you know I'm done this is I'm giving you a 30 day notice actually like I'll work through through July because I know this is really abrupt but I'm done. I don't want to work here anymore. I'm going to pursue other things. And, uh, and he said, really, is this really what you're going to do? And whatnot. So that next day though, after I had that meeting, it was like, you know, I got a random email in my inbox through the website from Tuttle Publishing that said, and the guy's name is Bud Sperry. He's just, he doesn't work there anymore, but he said, um, my name's Bud, I'm an editor at Title Publishing. And I would like to talk to you about turning your website, what you're doing into a book about how to get into this obstacle racing thing. So literally, like the day after I quit my job, I got a book deal. That's a sign <laughs> for you, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, yeah. And I think anytime that like, I think the, like the universe and and as I've kind of progressed and gotten a little bit older, I think the universe tells you, it gives you little signs. But then if you make the right decision there's going to be a sign around really quickly that the right thing was made whether it's like an instant happiness or you get a book deal out of the blue <laughs> you know but if you're doing the right thing the universe is going to karma dharma whatever prescribed ideology you have the universe is going to going to point you in that direction yeah,
0: things just line up and start working out like synchronicity and everything just things just fall into place really easily i think that's yeah. one of the things i've noticed like it just starts to feel easy like not such a struggle, not that you don't have to work hard, because of course you do. But like, it's just not, it's not so much of a struggle.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And and I think that that's the biggest thing you hit on is that it's, you're always working hard. Like, I feel like I work harder now than I ever did when I had a more traditional job.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Because you care about it so much more now. You know, it's like your thing. You're invested in it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd say, you know, we talk about, uh, just said as well, like the universe tells you, it's like when my, when I mentioned earlier, when I got injured, I so I got injured in 2013 and I had a terrible ankle sprain, which doesn't sound so bad when I just say it like that. But I actually sprained the inside and outside of my ankle on the same ankle at the same time and had a two plus sprain on both sides out of three. So I had almost the worst possible sprain you could have both on the inside and the outside from a trampoline obstacle at a race. And it was right about then that I actually had some more writing opportunities came about right after I got injured. So it was, again, you know, like the universe steering you saying like, okay, well, you, you got to have that really fun, like being a pro athlete and like running around and doing all that sort of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, may, like we think we have another place for you. And uh we're gonna push you in that direction, whether you love it or not. No, I'm just kidding. No, um I know it's been it's it's been really good. And um it's ironic because I worked in public relations all through high school and college as a summer job. So I was kind of in the media in a way, and now I've found myself back in the the media again today. Yeah.
0: And now you have <laughs> I was you have a podcast. Obviously, you've got your book, you've got a podcast, you're doing I guess you're working as a journalist then also. So kind of tell us what are the different ways that I guess, you know, yeah. not getting into too many details, but like what are the different kind of revenue streams and stuff you have going on in your business?
1: Yeah, for sure. So Dirt in Your Skirt is what I created and that's my brand and that's my my podcast and everything kind of stems through that, I would say, for every other opportunity that I've had. I'm also I'd say my main income is actually through Mud Run Guide right now, which is the largest obstacle racing website in the world. So I'm actually their editor in chief for that. And then I am the media director for Adventury, which is the company that puts on the obstacle course racing world championships, as well as a few other championship races a year. And then I work with another company, another event company called Fuego Yagua Endurance and run their social media and some of their media for them and do all their on, on-site stuff when it's over. They have they do 24-hour races and um, unfortunately, I don't get to go to the one in Australia, but they do them in Nicaragua and uh, Canada and Australia. And I go to the Canada and uh, Nicaragua ones and do all their on like field reporting, I guess you would say, during the race. So so I, it's, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then as well, pick up some freelance every, every once in a while. Like I've written for Outside Magazine and I wrote for about.com for a year and a half and um, written for a handful of other. It's all kind of on, if anybody's really interested in like all the places that I've written for it, it's pretty much all on dirtyourskirt.com. And you can kind of use that as, like I said, that's kind of like my collector of all the different Things that I do, so but I, I found know. that that oh, I, was, I was just gonna say I found that 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 through kind of this industry being that it's kind of a niche industry and in a unique sort of world, it's like you're always creating things, and half the time it's let's say less than half the time it's something that sticks around. Like I've had a web series, I had a, I've done various different different things and uh, kind of settled in. But I love my podcast. I will say like my podcast uh, through Dirt in Your Skirt is like my child. I feel like I've birthed in the last like year and a half or so. It's just fun. It's just a great way to network and yeah. get some people. It's and... like an excuse to meet all these really cool people. <laughs> that's exactly. That's, yeah. that's exactly what I say. Like I'll read a book and I'll be like, I really want to talk to X author. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, a podcast. I could interview them on the podcast.
0: (laughs) I know. It's amazing. Yeah, that that's the best part, actually. So what I wanted to zoom in on here is there's a lot of people in the wellpreneur community that the main goal is usually working online. Like people want to create an online business. And it seems like there's this pressure, like, oh, to create an online business, you must only work on your own website or else you fail, or something. Like this weird thing we decide in our heads that we have to create this online business. And fully support ourselves through our coach or you know our online coaching or our courses or whatever it is. And I love the model you're presenting cuz you're basically doing a whole bunch of different things all online. So you can write for different properties or like cover events for them or like you you're you're diversified, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I would also say that's an interesting thing that you say that about like having it all like in this insular little like your own little silo. And and it's funny because I wrote for Myself for almost a year, I think, before. And I, you know, Dirt Your Skirt, I was just writing. I was just writing every day. And then I had an opportunity to write for Fitness Rx for women to have an online column with them. That was not a paid gig, not at all. Like, I knew their online editor, and she's like, it's not a paid thing, but we've got, you know, like, I don't know, they had like 200 or 300,000 followers or something like that on Facebook. And she's like, so it'll showcase you on that platform. And so I did it. And and I, I gained a lot of exposure through doing that. And even now, they'll rerun some of the articles I wrote years ago because they're, they're pretty general. So I would say, I, I mean, I feel like anybody that's trying to create an online thing is, and especially in writing, if you want to be a journalist, like, you may end up writing for a while for free. And that's just the nature of the beast these days. <laughs> like, you know, and, and think of it instead of being like, oh, I'm giving all this business for free, is that it's you're you're not giving away, you're helping continue to build your brand. You're helping continue to build your expertise in an industry, whatever that might be, whether that's like I just told you before, I actually just interviewed somebody in the pole fitness community, which is its own other totally niche thing earlier today. And if you have an opportunity at the very beginning, take those opportunities because you just never know where they're going to lead and not everything. And it's really hard for me to say this because it's hard to, I don't like doing things for free anymore, but that's because I'm, like eight years now into this but you know for there were a lot of there were a bunch of years in the beginning where I did things with no real financial gain for me other than just hoping that it would lead to something else and pretty much every time it's led to something else so you think of it as like building blocks instead of uh, like you have to lay the foundation of a house before you you start putting up the walls, you know. Like that's the best, I guess, the best way you can say it. And and you don't get to decorate the interior until the very very end. And I still don't feel like I'm decorating the interior, and I'm eight years into this. That's a really good point because I
0: think it is a hard decision to say should I work for free. And in general, no, you don't want to work for free because you want to value your work, but if you're just getting started, then probably, yeah, especially if it's someplace with a big readership. Because at the very least, even if you don't get anything through that article, you can use it to pitch yourself to other news places, right? To say, oh, I already wrote for these people.
1: Exactly. Or if you're in the coaching industry and you get, you're able to be on a panel, but you might have to pay for your travel to get there. Now, I don't recommend doing that a bunch of times. But if you are invited and you do have that opportunity, you know, look at who else is on the panel. Like, look at is that going to be something that's going to help you further your career or are you the biggest name on the, the panel? Or But if there's if you have a chance to be on the same panel with, say, like whoever the pillars of your industry are, he might have to, you know, you, you might have to take the loss in one way for the networking you might get there or the long term gains of being saying you're on a panel or whatever it might be with that person, you know, with those people.
0: Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit because you've been online for lots of years. You started your blog in what,
1: 2009, you said? 2011. I started the blog. Yeah. Although Facebook just told me the other day, I've been on Facebook for 14 years. So. Wow.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, like, (laughs) How you've seen, so it's 2017 now when we're talking. So yep. in the past six years, like what have you noticed changing in the blog world? Like, has it changed? How, how, or how totally. It changed? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I like deep breath, totally. Yeah. So in 2011, I would say that more people and with working now in, in a website that every day as editor in chief, I think I've seen it a lot differently too than just when it was just my own personal blog. But when it was my personal blog, it was... It didn't seem weird to have like a 1500 word article and people would read it and they'd comment on it. And it was, and you posted on Facebook, I created a face, the Facebook page, Dirt in Your Skirt as well in 2011. And a bunch of people would see it. Fast forward to 2017 and no one reads anymore at least that's what it feels like um those in-depth articles that and it sometimes drives me nuts like i can sit there and research and do this really in-depth like really well written well researched article and no one reads it i put out a 300 word what would be maybe be considered it feels like it's more of a like candy topic and all of a sudden, it's like blowing up online. And I'm like, "What is is this?" I, so what? And there's actually a term now for this that people that that people are really into these days. It's edutainment. They want to learn something, or they want to be like provoked, but they want to be entertained at the same time. It's like the videos that are the one minute, two minute videos with like the text and pop up. Like videos become really big i've found in the last two years or so and a lot of these are social drivers of like instagram and facebook and whatnot and don't get me started on snapchat i am i like don't understand it um i feel like if i need to snapchat an event i'd like to find like a 17 year old and just hand them my phone and say say i don't know what you're gonna do but i know that that it'll be i it'll be good because you Guys know Snapchat. Like my, I have a, like a twelve-year-old niece that's like a Snapchat whiz. For me, I guess I'm uh, being almost mid-thirties now. That's uh, I'd rather be on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's not a platform that I use. And that was that's a big thing too that I've learned is that I read somewhere or I found from covering events, you can really only cover an event or cover or work on like two to three platforms really well. If you're doing social platforms, like you have your website and I always think of that as like the the bottom of the funnel, like you want to get everybody to your website. But to get them there, you have to go through all these different avenues. And whether that is Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, you know, Snapchat, YouTube all the other ways, podcasts, like whatever. You basically you need to figure out like the two or three that you really want to get good at. And I would say just focus your time and get get good at those. But it really seems like these days video content is king when it comes to like video. Like people just would rather just watch a video these days. And and I am as guilty of it as anybody else. Like if I need to learn how to do something, I will often just YouTube it to figure out how to get it done Mm -hmm. and watch video. But the, the the key is they're making good, good videos that people are actually that fall into that edutainment category that are going to be entertaining, that are going to give you let you walk away with something and are going to be in a shortish form that people will will watch. Although it seems like radio and uh, say radio, meaning also podcasts, are having a pretty big resurgence right now maybe cuz it's everybody has a smartphone but those long form articles on websites it's sad as someone that writes a lot but it just it's it's hard to engage people with the written word a lot harder today than it was in 2011 but you know that's totally true and
0: but one place i think that those long form articles are still working is seo actually to yes. get google traffic so i think the strategy of like having some of those around your key topics can still really work to bring people to your site or to show up in search results. But I think like for sharing on Facebook and stuff, you're right. Like people just, when they click through from Facebook, they're just not reading Epic articles. <laughs> unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. That, and and then that, that's really good too. You said about SEO is also having some ever, it's like, I don't know if evergreen, I love yeah. use this, evergreen, having that sort of content. Like I went through, I use my actually my favorite tool. It's 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 a little bit more on the expensive side to use, but I use Meet Edgar, yeah. which I have no financial stake in it whatsoever, other than that's what I use to schedule social stuff. And what I really like about it is because I have a website that goes back to 2011 and because for you know, almost two years, I was writing almost every day on it. So there's just a ton of articles on it and nobody looks through your back catalog of articles on a website unless it pops up in like a search or something because you want to like find out how to whatever Mm -hmm. or you want to know how somebody reviewed some product so but there's content that like is really great like i just had one that it was kind of a rant i wrote in 2015 and me it was about not creating gofundmes to support your hobby (laughs) (laughs) it's called gofund yourself which is actually the name of a uh, south park episode too But that's an article that I put into because of with Meet Edgar, You can I spent a weekend and I went through my website and I pulled all the old articles that were more timeless or are still relevant today, even if they're, you know, like seven years old almost now. But pulled all those and and Meet Edgar lets you make categories. So I have like in, In Case You Missed It that goes out once a week on the social channels. And uh, that's where I kind of recycle all those old articles or like I have a recycled profiles that I did on people as well. And which is really fascinating, too, if you write profiles on people, because it's interesting when you get to read a profile of somebody like four years later and kind of see where they are now or where they aren't now, you know. Yeah, no,
0: that's a great suggestion about like resurfacing your old content because you're right. Why not use it? You've already put in the effort to create it. So if you just share it with people, then they're still getting value out of it.
1: Exactly. And especially say you have a wellness site and it's like the holiday, it's getting close to the holidays as we record all this. And if you wrote something in 2012 about five tips to get through the holidays, like to de-stress dealing with your family. I'm sure that those five tips are still probably going to be good here in 2017 because it's still stressful dealing with family during holidays or it's still hard to go to that Thanksgiving, you know, if you're in North America, go to like that Thanksgiving feast and stay on track if you're trying to obtained some like goal or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. Like I, I used to be like, oh, I don't want to research, resurface stuff because I feel like, well, I, it's written in the past and like someone will go find it. Well, people won't go find it. <laughs> like they really won't. Hey, no one wants to search and find things unless it comes up as like the top three things on Google mm-hmm. No. Yeah, no, I
0: know. And you have to think like, as your community continues to grow, that means that the majority of people haven't even seen your old stuff because they weren't around. I'm even finding that with my podcast now because we're up to like 170 something episodes that I'm going to start re-editing and re-releasing some of my very favorite ones because people just don't go back and listen to them. And they're still, you know, some of them are still super relevant.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing just how they, and and like you said, like, especially in the the, the wellness world, depending on which niche you're in people cycle through. I mean, at least in our industry, we have like a two to three year span for the average Joe Jane weekend warrior, you know, that, that comes, they do these races, they have some fun, they embrace their fitness. They're in it for about two or three years. And then they're moving on to maybe the next trend, you know, and, um, I mean, the the industry is huge still. I mean, the last thing last I was told is that we had over six million people in North America, I think alone last year participate in a mud run or obstacle race. So there, it's still growing, but you just have to realize that. So you know, I'm, I'm, we're kind of in like generation three now of your weekend warriors. So just like you said, like they're they they're not gonna know what I wrote in 2011 and 12. They, they didn't even know this existed back then. So and some of that stuff, like it's it's still relevant. So that, that's something I would definitely say to people is look through your old back catalogs. You might have some relevant stuff yeah. to recycle. Or you can always like update it quickly and then re-release it
0: because that's quite good for Google too, to just freshen up the stuff. But anyway, what I'm super curious about is comments on blogs. That's So like, do you allow comments on your blogs? How have you seen this change since you know, 2011, because I've seen some pretty dramatic
1: differences. Yeah, 2000, I've seen getting people commented on blogs a lot more. They do not as much, at least for us, unless you have like yeah. the Facebook embedded comment thing. I don't have that. I've found that there's way less people actually leaving comments on blogs these days. They might leave it on a social share, but they're not. Although I say that, I'm saying this exactly on a day where I'm having almost the opposite. Well, not opposite. We put out a really short little piece article this morning on Mud Run Guide. And one that's a little, I I will say it's a little clickbaity almost. Um, But it's a race series is possibly tweaking some rules and um, could have pretty big reverberations if they do change it. So the, the article itself has like 10 or 12 comments on it but that's an abnormality. But if I look at it online right now, it has on Facebook, uh, which is the main other platform we use, it has I think it has like 40 comments on it. Mm-hmm. So like you're looking at you've got like 40 comments on Facebook and 10 on the website. I'm and that and I realize a lot of off. people don't don't read actually read the article sometimes because I'm like if you read the article, you wouldn't say that mm-hmm. in the Facebook comment. So that's the other piece. They just read a title and make a judgment on what the article says
0: do you still have comments on the dirt in your skirt site
1: yes yeah leave I leave there? them you know I like them I I really I really enjoy when somebody takes the time to actually leave a comment on the website because to me that just it shows that they're they've engaged with the website enough to leave that comment and I feel like those comments for me at least I feel like those comments hold more water a lot of times than on some of the other platforms, so I don't know I, I mean you just keep them there I, like i don't I don't see any reason why not to keep them there unless you're getting really harassed, but I moderate comments, so I can always choose to not approve a comment, which I would say do that for anybody and have a spam bot filter for your comments too, because most of the, the like that's you get more spam bot comments than anything else.
0: So if somebody out there listening really likes this idea of a business model, like doing lots of writing, and media, and maybe getting into journalism kind of around their niche, what advice would you give to somebody just starting
1: out in that area? If you really want to do it, just go ahead and do it. Now, I say that almost with an asterisk on it. At the same time, don't do... It depends where you're at in your life stage too. I think you anybody can start up a blog and just start writing. That doesn't have a lot of financial investment in it. Some of the pieces do have more financial investment in them. And as I've gotten a little bit older now and priorities and life change a little bit more, I'm a little bit more cautious with telling people just, oh, totally do 100%. But I would say if you're in an established industry... Like I was not in an established industry, so I'm a little bit of an abnormality. Like There aren't that many times in life when you can get into a sport literally from the ground up and be in it. But I would say if you want to do it, go ahead and do it, but see what else there is in your industry. Like I know when I started my podcast, because that's probably the best example now, is I looked at all the podcasts there were kind of similar to mine, at least that I knew of, and within kind of in my industry, and then I decided from there what I wanted to do or not do, then I continually listen to like a lot of a lot of podcasts. And I'm I'm like, oh, I really like how that interviewer does X, Y, Z, whatever, and t- kind of take mental notes and sometimes take actual written down notes, too. Then I just try to adapt the pieces, but at the same time making it my own. So So I guess I'd say if you're in an established industry, see what else there is there. And if you want to do all these crazy things that I do it's it's a crazy little world that I live in, but it's fun. and if you really like to know like what you're doing tomorrow and what you're doing next month and next year, you probably don't want to jump in <laughs> with two feet into this sort of a world because you never there the 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 knowing what's coming up next went out the door five years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you could go
0: back to 2011 when, or maybe just about when you were quitting your job, you know, and doing this
1: full time, what advice would you give yourself? It's tough. I've been asked that question before and it always, I always have like a different answer. I feel like for myself, I I would ask myself, are you crazy? (laughs) Probably, And be like, are you really want to do this? I mean, the answer would still be Yes. But do you really want to do this? Because it is going to be incredibly hard. I mean, the part that I feel like we've talked about all the good, fun stuff, really. But the part that nobody tells you is that there have been over the last five plus years, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of nights, a lot of like still still to this day dealing with some uh, some debt stuff of of starting a company and being probably would have been a little more frugal in the beginning. And that would probably be the biggest thing is be more frugal, be very frugal in the beginning. But the other thing is like you're going to want to quit over and over and over again. And the mental fortitude, you kind of end up building up by sticking with it. It, it. It's worth it or sometimes it's not. And you just pull the plug on things and that's okay too. But yeah, I guess the really simple one is be frugal. And the other part is it's going to be really hard it's going to be harder than even what you think it's going to be when people tell you it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's really rewarding, but it's really hard. Well, <laughs> oh, you still would have done it anyway, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I still <laughs> would have done it. I mean, I mean, I just feel like that's the part nobody likes to really talk about. I read wow. a great one time that it was about, it was like a high high level executive, basically, like entrepreneur that just talked about how many times he wanted to quit, how many nights he lost sleep, and how many nights he just laid in bed wondering like, What the F am I doing? Why? Why am I putting myself through all of this when I could just do this other thing? It'd be so much easier.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you think like, (laughs) I mean, I was desperate to get out of my day job, but I've definitely had moments where you think like, why was that so bad? You just show up to work and they pay you. This is amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was joking around my next career is as like a coffee barista. I'm like, or like (laughs) or like a bread maker. I could be a baker. Mm, Like, what's the worst thing that happens today? You burn the bread, like your the loaf doesn't rise, I'm like like that's so much different than like having a million different things flying at you and on the weekend getting an email that's like uh, oh, this photo that your contributor sent the there's a, a child in the photo that's the child of one of the this is an actual thing it just happened mm-hmm. that the the contributor asked for photos for an article from the community, Uh, a community member sent in photos and they were used in the article and then got a message over the weekend because I'm the editor in chief that the woman who sent the photo with her child in the photo is in a custody battle for the child said child and the child's not supposed to be shared on social media right now due to court orders. (laughs) <laughs> and it was a i was a, a nice concerned person in the community being like, "I don't want to drag you into this family's um legal battles, so oh, yeah. <laughs> so those are the things that happen when you you move out of the more i guess quote unquote like normal realm, <laughs> yeah, but still worth it in the end, so you just yeah, still so <laughs> worth it i mean at the same time, like yeah. I work from home now, I pretty much make my own schedule as long as all the work gets done, nobody's uh you know, nobody's saying I have to clock in or clock out. So...
0: And freedom. Um, I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. to say. It is crazy. It's a roller coaster. It's up and down. But like the freedom is... Has, I mean,
1: I wouldn't trade it either. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're in Asia right now as yeah. we're talking to each other. And, you know, I'm sure you work with people all over the world.
0: Yeah, And yeah, you
1: a- can just be wherever
0: yeah super thankful for that but you just have to have some fortitude for like yeah getting through getting through the moments that are a little bit like yeah crazy and and not so fun but margaret it's been awesome talking to you this is so cool who knew i didn't even know like obstacle racing was a thing so this has been really awesome where can people like tell us what your podcast is and your website and
1: how people can get in touch sure yeah so dirt your skirt is the website and that is also the facebook page the instagram page and the twitter feed so I kind of run everything through those things. And the podcast is called, called as well, Dirt in Your Skirt, the podcast. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Basically, anywhere you want to listen to to an episode, it's there. And uh, it's not just about Ops Coriocin. So actually, probably about only about 50% about I Coriocin. It's mostly just interviews with women doing really interesting things. That's why I just interviewed a uh, pole dancer, not a stripper old answer, uh, earlier today and also interviewed somebody about a fasting expert. So yeah. So anyways, so that's what we do. So that's the podcast and that's the way, And then, um, you know, I'm also on Facebook personally, but I kind of keep that personal. I do have a journalist page as well that has some stuff go up on it. But, um, basically I just say, go to dirt your skirt. And from there you can kind of figure out where I am elsewhere. Or if you're into obstacle racing, head on over to Mud Run Guide, and I've got—gosh, oh I've written over 2,000 plus articles at this point about the obstacle racing industry. So, eh, yeah, awesome. yeah. If you want to know about obstacle racing and you want to reach out, I am happy to have a conversation. Awesome, cool. Thank you so much. We'll link all that up so
0: in the show notes, so awesome, can get to it. So, cool. Thanks so much for your time, Margaret. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links in the show notes at wellpruneronline.com. And don't forget the tool of the week this week is Backblaze to back up your Mac or PC. It's only $5 a month and it is so worth it not to have to think about your backup solution. If you would like to try out Backblaze yourself and give me a free month of Backblaze for me to use, then you can sign up through wellpreneuronlinecom slash backup. I totally appreciate your support of the Wellpreneur podcast. Okay, I will see you guys in our Wellpreneur community group over on Facebook and have a fantastic week. And I'll see you back here in the next episode.